0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 17th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, what's your favorite food?
1: <laughs> I just answered this on another podcast. I thought about it for a while, but uh, I think it's curry. It's just, it's so good.
0: You've been so cheating good. on me with more podcasts. Whose podcast did you ask you about your
1: foods? It was the Fresh and Buds podcast. Uh, the
0: Fresh and Buds? Who's on that hosted one?
1: Hosted by. Tommy Fresh, it's a great, it's a great podcast, and we just, I just did an episode with him.
0: So. What did you guys talk about?
1: It's like fab in general, I feel like.
0: Just flesh and blood?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's crazy. You talked about flesh and blood on a flesh and blood podcast. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, thank you for asking, Michael. My favorite food is sushi, so <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank
1: you.
0: <sighs> so what are we going to talk about today on our actual flesh and blood podcast, though?
1: Oh. Well, so the main topic is we're going to take a look at the deck list from the first Battle Hardens that happened over the last weekend.
0: These weren't Battle but, Hardens, those were Nationals.
1: Or, yeah, Nationals. I wrote it wrong in the show notes and then I <laughs> said it wrong on the podcast. Here we go. Uh, but before we get into our main topic, that we have a giveaway to- Oh announce?
0: yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. We We did promise to give away something. We should probably give away the things we said we give away, and yeah. we randomly decided- using a random number generator that was very official. And I streamed my screen to Michael Hamilton to make sure there were no shenanigans. So if you have any issues with the winner, take it up with Michael Hamilton. And the winner was Vinyl Community College. So he's been a long time listener and he comments pretty frequently on our videos. So I'm pretty happy that he won. But thank you everybody who did enter. I'm sure we'll give away more in the future at some point, but uh, thank you very much for commenting and the emails. They were really nice. It was really nice to hear, hear from everybody.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. And congratulations to Vinyl Community College on winning some nice Manor podcast sleeves. We'll be yeah. in touch about shipping information and stuff.
0: Yeah, I grabbed his email off of one of his YouTube videos, so hopefully that's a good email for his
1: take as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can get it figured out if not. So, uh you ready to jump into the... Nationals events. The Battle hardened? No, the, the Nationals.
0: Oh, okay, the Nationals. Oh,
1: we, we also did talk about on <laughs> the Fresh and Buds podcast, we did talk about the Battle hardened. <laughs> I remember that.
0: Oh, yeah? Did you say Roger competed in it and he's garbage and that's why he didn't top eight? Did you say that?
1: I, I did not say that. Hmm. How that sounds you, like something how did you do in say. the Battle Harden?
0: Uh, I lost in round three and that was pretty much the end of my story. It was a really close game and yeah that was it it was that was done it's what that's those kind of tournaments where you lose once and you're done so losing around three sucked i played old time but at least uh old time delivered my nationals qualification the day before so overall couldn't have been
1: too upset on the weekend awesome so speaking of old time he's kind of been crushing it at these nationals huh
0: yeah, it's your time to shine, Michael Hamilton. Oldheim's number one. You're gonna go Oldheim. win all the nationals, playing Oldheim. You're gonna win U.S. nationals and Canadian nationals okay. and Mexico's nationals. You're yeah. just gonna be an international national
1: crusher. I can only play in one nationals. That's the uh, the rule.
0: You can't. You can't be a globe trotting national, Oldheim.
1: Nope. Well, I can do. I can play at different nationals next year if I move somewhere. But this year, play in U.S. nationals, and that's it.
0: Oh, that's unlucky for me, because I'm playing in U.S. Nationals, too.
1: So, <laughs> Oldheim's been doing quite well. He won both of the largest nationals over the last weekend, both Australia and France. We actually couldn't find any decklist from Australia nationals, so we'll talk about the France one. It's Yeah, from- we were just in France. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. It feels like it was a long time ago, but it... It was actually, like a few weeks, I feel like, I think.
0: Yeah, like two weeks at three this weeks, point. Three weeks, Two weeks, right?
1: Yeah, like a little, yeah, less than three weeks, more than yeah. two weeks.
0: <laughs> so, do you want to read off the tournament winner from France's Oldheim nationals?
1: Yeah, congratulations
0: um, to uh, Mohamed El Fardi.
1: I appreciate you pronouncing the name because I don't think I would have been able to. Anyway, so in the deck, I'll start with the equipment. There's one creator. I'm not going to say one for each equipment. There's Crater Fist, Crown of Seeds, Vyandel Spring Tunic, Heart of Ice, Ironhide Legs, Null Boots, Null Gloves, Rampart of the Ram's Head, Sledge of Anvilheim, and Winter's Whale. So, notable things about the equipment is there is a Heart of Ice for Icelander, presumably, and I guess also probably Kano, if Kano is a thing. Um, no Stalagmite, so probably looking to be a more controlling Oldheim build.
0: Yeah, only using ramparts, not even an arcane lantern in there too, for more arcane barrier.
1: Yeah, though there's sledge for the matchups that you don't need a shield, I guess. Like That makes sense. Uh for red cards but, that, Oh, sorry,
0: go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, there's nothing amazing about the equipment, just pretty standard old time stuff we've seen so far.
1: Yep. The only the only thing that stands out, like I said, the lack of slag might. But that makes hmm. sense if you're a pretty defensive deck. So at red there's two biting gales, two choke slam, three command and conquer, two crush the weak, three Enlightened strike, two glacial footsteps, three macho grande, three oak and old, three oasis respite, three Pummel, three spinal crush and three staunch response. At blue there's three autumn's touch, one blizzard, three channel lake frigid, three choke slam, one cranial crush, three disable, one exposed to the elements, three glacial footsteps, three hypothermia. 3 Macho Grande, 1 Pulse of Eisenloft, 2 Pummel, 2 Sodomaro, 3 Terra Sunder, 3 Winter's Bite, and 3 Winter's grass.
0: There's really not a lot of Earth cards in this deck, huh? It's only the Autumn's Touch, the Sodomaro, and the Pulse?
1: So there's also, 6 total Earth? There's also not a ton of Ice cards either. I think there's, there's 14 Ice cards, but that's also kind of lower on the Ice count as well.
0: Yeah, so he's probably just not looking to use the elemental fusion mechanics too often which it, but that makes the inclusion of biting gale a little bit more surprising as well
1: yeah biting gale with 14 ice cards it's not it's not like you're not gonna fuse it most of the time but the times that you don't could be pretty costly or the times that it, you draw and you can't fuse it
0: yeah i'm i don't think either of us have ever been a big fan of biting gale in general it's just not a card that's ever been super impressive
1: yeah, I agree with that. I wonder what matchups it's specifically for. I think it's pretty good into Fi, but I guess sometimes Fi doesn't even attack for four. A lot of the time, Fi attacks for three, and that's kind of <laughs> makes it a lot worse. But
0: probably just just super punishes Rune Blades. Just makes it so that if people are trying to play more defensive and keep their two cards to play around Ice React, you still just get them.
1: Yeah, against Rune Blades, I found that it's not. It's there's a reason a lot of the time that they just play non-attack into attack and don't have any cards left in hand and then they swing the Rosetta Thorn. Or multiple non-attacks in the case yeah. of Briar. But
0: it's nice that uh, Enlightened Strike's been making a comeback. Those go-again attacks really important against Dromai.
1: Yeah, you have to be able to kill a dragon and, or pressure her and kill a dragon, or just double, more pressure her more. It, it is yeah. really nice.
0: Yeah, there's there's no copies of Rousey the or Zealous Belting, though, so it's just the three E-Strikes for go-again.
1: Mm-hmm. E-Strike's also just like a pretty powerful card in old time with The ability to draw a card on it, you can basically turn a two-card hand into five damage in an arsenal, which is a very good rate. And you don't really care what you arsenal because of Crown of Seeds. I've kind of sung the praise of Enlightened Strike in old time in the past, but I think it is quite Yeah, he
0: was in your first tournament winning decklist all the way back a year ago in Orlando. Yeah. So. But... Do you think it's just an Oldheim world and we're just living in it now? There's nothing we can do to suppress the Oldheim dominance?
1: I I think that there are counters to Oldheim. I think both Dromai and Icelander are still favored into him if they can get the build right. It's tough, and Oldheim is a very good deck, and he will definitely be a solid force in the coming weeks of Nationals. And I expect him to keep performing well, just because... The deck's so powerful, and it lines up so well against the aggro decks that people are pretty inclined to play. Briar, Viserai, and Fi all really struggle into Oldheim that's tech to be the aggro decks.
0: That makes sense. I guess we'll just have to keep seeing how nationals play out, but for right now, it definitely looks like Oldheim is the deck to be in this current meta.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oldheim's good. (laughs) Yay.
0: (laughs) Moving on, who do you want to talk about
1: next? Yeah, let's jump to Briar, our Pro Tour champion, Queen Briar. Whatever you want to call her. She has been dominating. She's very close to Living Legend at this point. But and her results were quite good this weekend as well, winning. I think two nationals, but we're just gonna talk about one. Longdao won the Austria Nationals with Briar. And their list includes one Aether Iron Weave, one Crown of Dichotomy, one Crown of Providence, one Final Spring Tunic, one Grasp of the Ark Knight. One Rosetta Thorn, one Snapdragon Scalers, and one Vexing Cool Hand. And I realize I said one in front of all of these again, but it's too late. We're not going back.
0: Yeah. What do you think about playing uh, Rosetta Thorn? That's a pretty surprising inclusion in these Rune Blade decks. Do you think that that that, that card's very good? <laughs> yes. Hmm. Well well I guess we'll just have to keep seeing if it stays popular.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Hat red it has. One arcanic shockwave, three Bramble Spark. 3 Channel Mount Heroic, 3 Coax of Commotion, 3 Command and Conquer, 3 Enlightened Strike, 3 Exude Confidence, 3 Lightning Press, 3 Li- Lightning Surge, 3 Nimblism, 2 Overload, 3 Ravenous Ravel, 3 Scar for a Scar, 3 Sigil of Suffering, 3 Snatch, 3 Cernata Arcanics, and 3 Swarming Gloom Gloomvale. At Yellow, there's three, Earthlore, there's 3 Earthlore Surge, 1 Pulse of Hold, and 1 Snatch. At blue, there's three Autumn's Touch, three Captain's Call, three Earth War Surge, three Force of Nature, three So and three Tome of Harvest. And of course there's the one Garganian tome that doesn't have a pitch color strip thing. So, notably, no belittle minimalism. It won the Pro Tour, nowhere to be seen.
0: Yeah, this list kind of feels a little all over the place to me, I guess, to be honest. What do you mean? There's just a lot, there's just a lot going on between the one arcanic shockwave, the one yellow snatch. Captain's Call, I don't think has seen a lot of play and Briar upholds at this point, but it makes sense. Three Sigil of Suffering is an interesting inclusion just because that card also has not seen super a lot of play. And then playing the three lightning surge, which is a card that's waned back and forth in popularity. So I guess that's what I meant where there's just, a lot of small tweaks to this deck that kind of make it feel
1: unique to me, just looking at it from like a
0: thousand foot perspective. You said
1: three Lightning Surge. I think that's almost always included. in Lightning okay. Press. Okay.
0: Three Lightning Press. Lightning Surge, yes. The zero for four, go again, Arsenal card. Yeah, that one's that one's stock.
1: Sorry, <laughs> I meant Lightning Press. I see. Yeah, and then I know you love this uh, combination of sonata Arcanics plus Instance in your deck, so... It has...
0: Plus defense reactions.
1: Yeah. you specifically call out the cards that are not attacks or non-attacks in the three Sonata deck. So that's kind of a rough combination. I wonder if there are specific matchups that you side out the Sonata for including these cards. No. You
0: you always play them, and then you're just always lucky.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All right.
0: Easy. Sonata never misses if you're lucky, right?
1: You say Sonata never misses?
0: Yeah, Sonata never misses when you're lucky. If you're a lucky person, you should 100% play Sonata Arcanics every chance you get, because you'll never miss because you're lucky.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't think... Okay.
0: That's why I can't play Sonata Arcanics. I'm always walking under ladders and breaking mirrors and running across black cats. It's just one thing after another. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, Yellow Earthbore Surge is kind of a weird... Not exactly the... Pitch trip. I've seen. I've seen it in both red and blue before, but they they went with. I guess they went with blue and yellow in this deck. That makes sense.
0: It's a strong earth card. If you're just looking for earth cards that do pump attack things, mm-hmm.
1: and if you're looking to try to keep your channel around for two turns, it's a pretty like it's still you can still pitch it for two resources, which is a lot better than pitching. Yeah, earth absolutely card. makes sense. Anything else notable about this list before we move on?
0: Not that I can see. I think it just looks like regular old Briar things doing non-attacks and attacks put together.
1: So it looks like AB2, which is about normal, I think. And the attacks and non-attacks look pretty typical. Nothing really super outside the norm, outside of the yellow or Thor surges, which seemed like a pretty smart inclusion to me based on what we were talking about earlier. So it makes a lot of sense.
0: That definitely makes a lot of sense.
1: What do you think Briar's place in the metagame is going forward? Since she struggles so much in Oldheim, which is the most popular deck, or at least one of the most popular decks, do you think we'll continue to see Briar performing so well?
0: Yeah. Aggressive decks will always be popular. People always like playing aggressive decks. Oldheim's a hard deck to play, very well, for lack of a better word, fatiguing to play over the course of a long tournament on the pilot. A lot of your matches go to time or turns. There's just a lot of hard decisions you have to make over the course of those games. So I don't think he'll ever become the most, most popular deck, even if he was necessarily the best deck. So I think for those reasons, you'll still see other decks performing well in this meta. All right.
1: That makes sense. So, so this next deck is pretty spicy. I'd say, uh, Reinar actually took down a national championship in the hands of N- I don't know. Nitia, Nitia, yeah. You want the last name too?
0: Kalishelvin.
1: <laughs> cool. And in this rhino deck, they had crown of providence, fire spring tunic, gambler's glove, two mandible claws, nulrun gloves, romping club, Scapskin leathers, skull crushers, and skull horn. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't actually know what all these equipment are.
0: Really? Which one don't but you? The know?
1: skull crushers.
0: That's the one where if you roll a 5 or a 6, all of your brute attacks get plus 1 for the turn. If you roll a 1, they instantly break Battle worn 1.
1: Okay, yeah. That's right. I pulled it up. I think that's the only one I didn't know. Skullhorn's just the AB2 hat, so yeah.
0: Yeah. I only know about it because I played against Alevia on Talishar a million times over the past week, and some of them would play that card. Or,
1: yeah. Okay. I'm curious what the reasoning for including both Skull Crushers and Gambler's Gloves are. I'm assuming that some matchups you want one and some you want the other, but I don't really... I'm not, definitely not a Reinhardt expert, so it would be interesting to hear the reasoning for this.
0: I think it just depends on how often you think you're going to need to block in the matchup. So against the Guardians, if you want just the extra block on your equipment to help try to defend a key dominate attack on a turn, that's usually where you want those, plus the extra damage helps you you know, push through, well, damage against them. So that's why I think it's played there. Sure, least. that
1: makes sense. It does block for one, whereas the Gambler's Clothes don't block at all. Okay.
0: Yeah, they don't do anything.
1: <laughs> at red, there's two Alpha Rampage, three Barraging Beatdown, two Cadaverous Contraband, two Command and Con... Cadaverous. Okay, Cadaverous Contraband. Contraband. Two Commanded Conquer, three race face, three fate for scene, two massacre, three pack hunt, three pulping, three sink below, three swing big, two wild raid. At yellow, three barraging beatdown, three barraging big horn, two beast within, three blood rush bellow, two pummel, three smash instinct, two that all you got, three wrecker, Womp- wrecker romp. At blue, it's three barraging beatdown, three high roller, three pummel, Three reckless swing, three sand sketch plan, three Rucker wrong. Wow, I s- pronouncing Reinhardt right cards is hard. Not used to it. You're just not used to pronouncing them. Yeah. Yet. So there's a couple things, that, like quite a few things about this list that surprised me. Oh yeah, what's that? First, what is how do you say it? Cadaverous.
0: Cadaverous. So like if there's a cadaver, uh,
1: that's a
0: dead body. Cadaverous contraband. It's two people smuggling a dead body on a boat on the art of the card.
1: So, is this in here just to try to get back your Blood Rush Bellows, because Blood Rush Bellows is the strongest Brute card? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And there's... Blood Rush Bellows, very good. There's only two copies of Beast with it. That was one of the other, or one of the Brute cards that I've always been very impressed with. You usually lose one or two life when you discard it, but you're getting an, add an extra card to your hand is quite valuable.
0: Yeah, I could see trimming one combi one time, though, because it's not an effect you want a lot of over the course of the game and have been drawing two is also kind of awkward and then it's just never a card obviously you want to be actually casting so i could actually see a world where playing two makes sense okay
1: one thing i do really like is the blue pummels when testing ryanar if you play with the red pummel i notice a lot of times that your random discard effects don't work with it at all so you get punished pretty hard for having these red pummels in your deck that you don't really want to pitch to play. Like you don't want to pitch a red pummel to play your Blood Rush Bellow, but sometimes you draw them together when you're playing red pummel. And Blood Rush Bellow was by far the better of the two cards, so I just didn't want to play red pummels. But these blue pummels, they seem like perfect. Because if you're going to play a random discard, you can pitch a blue pummel. But later, if you Say you cast your Blood Rush Bell and you draw into a Blue Pummel and you don't need the resources. It's a pretty nice card to actually have.
0: Yeah, and then there's a lot of two-cost attacks that you're happy to pitch a blue, play, and then use a Tuna counter to do. Obviously, there's the Command & Conqueror and a Race Face, but Swing Big also notably costs two. So then you get the 12 damage and the discard on that.
1: Oh, ten 10 damage, because Blue Pummel only adds two.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess eleven with the yellow. Yeah,
1: and Cadaverous contraband contraband. You can pummel that, get back your barraging beatdown. Not barraging beat beatdown, your blood rush bellow. Or I guess you could get back barraging beat down, but I assume you are usually getting back blood rush bellow. More than likely. Yeah. This looks like a pretty cool list. And uh congratulations uh to our Rhinar player for taking down their nationals with Reinar. That's
0: Are you gonna play Reinar at the US Nationals now? Beat up all the old times that want
1: to block, and you just say no, Ra, I'm a brute. You know, I do. I do really like this list. I think it. I think the. I think it's a pretty good Reinar deck, but I don't know if Rinar is the hero for me. You know, I don't want to give away my nationals plans, but I don't think Reinar is in them.
0: Why not? You'll just. It's uh, very similar to Sonata Arcanics. The card you should also always play. You'd only ever roll six on your boots, so.
1: Ooh. Reinar is quite good if you just always get a six on your scabskin mothers.
0: Yeah, yeah, and skull crushers are sick if you just always roll six too. Oh, that's that's a
1: pretty powerful combination. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should just play Reinar at everything.
0: You even get some wiggle room with Skull Crushers. You can you can even low roll for Michael Hamilton and get a five, and they still <laughs> do their thing. So they're basically a
1: hundred percent of the time active for you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So w- what do you think Reinar's slice in the metagame is going forward?
0: If you are just looking to push a lot of damage in hard-to-block ways. He's definitely the hero, I think, that does that best in the game at the moment. I guess physical damage, because the split damage between arcane and physical is quite difficult to deal with in Viscerae, but I think Brute is insanely close to being an actual, actual, actual Tier 1 deck. I think it's still in Tier 2 at the moment, but upper Tier 2, if that makes any sense.
1: yeah. I kind of think that he's pretty held back by his matchup against the Rune Blades, with a lack of a lot of relevant on-hits and just the sheer efficiency of Rosetta Thorn. I think Reiner will always struggle into them. But, you know, Rosetta Thorn might be gone pretty soon. It almost certainly will be gone pretty soon. And in a metagame of Dromai, Oldheim, Icelander, Dash, maybe, like, I feel like Reiner seems like a pretty solid choice.
0: I don't think Reiner's that great into Oldheim, but... Maybe that's just my play testing experience. Hmm. I it ultimately comes down to you're both swinging big dumb attacks, but Oldheim's attacks are big and dumb and have more relevant on hits in the matchup, where yours are just big dumb attacks.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I thinking back, I'm like, if if you have the like a very good Reinar build, though, does that change it? Because I know when we were doing our testing, I don't think our Reinar decks were as good as this deck is. If that makes sense, like I don't think our lists were this clean.
0: Uh, We could try it. So, We'll be sleeping up Reinar in some testing games soon.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I also want to say if Old Himes do end up shifting back to a more defensive version, then Reinar is quite good against the more defensive Old Oldheims. It's when the Old Himes are reasonably mid-rangey too aggressive that Reinar struggles against it, I would think.
0: Yeah. But speaking of decks that are usually just good into Oldheim in general, what about Dromai?
1: Yeah. So, Adrian... Jell? Jell? Fjell? I don't know. F-J-E-L-L. Won their nationals in Norway with Dromai. In their list, there's Arcanite Skullcap, Crown of Reflection, Scale Furnace, Final Spring Tunic, Ghostly Touch, Phantasmal Footsteps, Silken Form, Storm of Sandikai. So right off the bat, Final Spring Tunic and Scale Furnace. I'm curious what this is for. Maybe it's an Icelander tech where you board in the tunic against Icelander? because you don't really need the block value on the Furnace. but Well, the also against Rune blades, I think you just really want it against Guardians
0: more so than anything, right?
1: You just want the Furnace against Guardians. I would think
0: that's where it shines the most, right? Because a lot of the time, if Oldheim tries to Ice React the last card in your hand, you can just pitch it to make some Ash tokens, given that you've played a red card on the turn, which is pretty easy for Dromai to do. And then yeah. you just float the resources and make some Ash, and the Ice React doesn't do anything.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So you think Flamescale Furnace is more of a sideboard card in Final Spring Tunic, so more or I shouldn't say sideboard or main deck card, but they usually would use Final Spring Tunic then and play Flamescale yeah, Furnace. Yeah, if you're not
0: trying Furnace. to block super heavily or just trying to race or not being presented with a lot of, I guess, dominate attacks, it makes sense why you would want Final Spring Tunic just because in your red liner deck getting free resources is almost always equivalent to getting a free card at that point. Sure.
1: Moving on. At red, there's one Burn Them All. That already stands out to me. I'm used to saying two or three of that card. (laughs) Three Command and Conquer. Three Dunebreaker Centipi. Three Emmermaw Centipi. Three face. Three Fate for Seen. Three Invoke Azvali. Three Invoke Chromai. One Invoke Dominia. One Invoke Dracana Optimi. Three Invoke Kyloria. Three Invoke Moragi. Two Invoke Necria. Two Invoke Uvia. One Invoke Tomultai. Three Invoke Yenderei. Three rake the embers. Three ravenous rabble. Two sand cover. Three sigil of solace. Three sink below. Three spears of soral- surreality. Surality, yeah. Three sweeping blow. At yellow, there's one remembrance. At blue, there's three billowing mirage. Three ember moss centipi, One energy potion. Two passing mirage. One semblance. Three sweeping blow. We're almost there. We're almost to zero semblance. Still one though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I imagine you just want to set it up for your kajillion cycle for once your Ghostly Touch has 80 million counters on it to try to push it through on the last three cards you have on your deck Yeah, after your match is gone for five hours.
1: <laughs> it won't go for five hours. You'll draw away before that.
0: Mm, it'll feel like five hours for everybody involved in the match. <laughs> so what dragons are notably missing? We don't have any Thermize, so... Not worried about that tech for Icelander, obviously, because that matchup's pretty good anyways. You don't necessarily need it.
1: They're on two Uvia, so I assume they just decided that Uvia was better than Thamai, because Uvia's reasonably harder to kill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no Thymais, No, I think oh, that's the only one that's missing. Yeah, the only dragon that's missing. The only yeah. dragon. Uh, no Serakai either. There's two Necria oh, and
0: No Venserakai. Yeah, that one's interesting too, because Venserakai's been one that's like actually pretty annoying to deal with sometimes, but...
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of praise for Kai, where it went from being like a card that I definitely very much underrated at the start of the format to a card that just like kind of grew grew and rose up in my rankings by quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Just a free nine damage every turn if it doesn't get popped or their opponent doesn't kill it. Like that's, that's a that's a lot of damage for free every turn.
1: Yeah, nine, nine is a lot. And the one health breakpoint is actually quite good against a lot of CC heroes. Like in, in draft, the one health it's kind of vulnerable to both Phi and Icelander both having one damage ways to get rid of it. And CC, it's a lot less common to just have something that does one damage in your deck. Yeah,
0: for rune chance, but those can't target a Vincere Kai.
1: Oh, that uh, the Visturai matchups are already tough. Imagine if you could just direct your rune chance however you wanted at this, the dragons. <laughs> that would be pretty sick. <laughs> There's one remembrance. I assume that the old time matchup is still tough to play and maybe just shuffling in your chrome eyes or your big dragons again that oh, you burn out. them
0: all or whatever yeah
1: yeah oh yeah one burn them all that's that's very surprising to me someone put that card quite high in their uh <laughs> their card rankings yeah and that card's very good it's definitely grown in my in my opinion as well so
0: yeah but if you're playing it's just kind of like play it in an early mid game sacrifice it before it just get some value out of it and then remember to sit back in with some couple key dragons. I could see that plan being a strategy sometimes. Or just wait until like third cycle and then just playing one and then keeping it around for basically the rest of the game at that point also makes sense. So it's not a card that you necessarily need a lot of, but it's still just a red go again block three aura that kind of plays well with some other interesting things you can do in the deck.
1: Yeah. And I guess this and deck. Then-
0: there's no Oasis Respits. That's the only defensive card that doesn't make an appearance in this list.
1: Yeah. Two Sand Covers, zero Oasis respit, And then the six zero cost E-Reacts. Yeah. So a little bit less defensive than some of the Dromai lists I've seen in the past, but looks solid. And they were able to take down a Viserai in the finals of their nationals. And Viserai is... In my opinion, one of Dromai's harder matchups between having a lot of poppers and having a lot of arcane damage that's hard for Dromai to block with her D Reacts. So he could easily just like attack dragons with his go again attacks, finish with Thorn, and several rune chance going at Dromai. And with the low blue count, it's pretty hard to block that out.
0: Yeah, but I also heard he was on the Belittle Minnowism version of Israe. At least that's what you put in the show notes. And like, that means you have significantly less poppers, so your dragons are much safer to attack with. And just shows that belittle minnowism is a garbage strategy of viscerai, so
1: <laughs> Or a Viscerae or a Belittle Hater. I'm the kind of a viscerai hater now. You're like, no Sonata, please. I mean, I like
0: the Rune Blades. I just don't like Sonata and I don't like the little minnowism. I like Matt Fawkes. <laughs> I like the Rune Blades. I think I like uh, whoever piloted that viscerai Belittle Minnowism person in the finals of this Nationals. I'm sure they're a wonderful person with many amazing redeeming qualities. Just Belittle Minnowism is just not a good strategy.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on, speaking of viscerai. So Viscerae, I guess, I think that's all the heroes that actually took down a Nationals. Uh, a classic instructor nationals at least there was a duranthea that won a blitz nationals but we're not a blitz we're not talking about blitz today so visceride didn't actually take down any events himself but he put up a reasonable amount of results and we're going to talk about mark alexander's fifth place list of france nationals for equipment there's aether iron weave crown of dichotomy crown of providence Final spring tunic grasp of the arc knight norwood boots rosetta Thorn, Spellbound Creepers. And vexing hand at red, two amplify the arc knight, three command and conquer, three meet and greet, three mortalred tide, three rattlebones, three read the runes, three Rebel and rune blood, two rune flash, three rune blood incantation, two runic reclamation, three shrill of skull form, three sink below, three spellblade strike, three swarming loom veil at yellow, three mauin skies at blue, three become the arc knight, three lead the charge, three maurin skies, two meet and greet, three shrill of skull form three Spellblade Strike, two This Rounds on me, and three Vexing Malice. And then there's one Gorgagian Tome. So
0: I think the first thing every Viserai player has to ask themselves when sleeving up the deck is, what is this deck doing better than Briar?
1: Well, it's cutting Sonata Arcanics. fan of that. <laughs> Good job. So what does Viserai do better than Briar? Probably a little more consistent with Mob into Shrill on many times. Block's better. You have more block threes. Mm-hmm. I think Visturai is less reliant on four and five card hands than Briar is. Visturai is pretty happy to play a three card hand of a blue and a blue and Mob Skies. Blue Mob Skies and Shrill is a very good hand. Also, blue and what's the card called? Rattlebuns is another quite hand that's quite good if you have a swarming blue in your discard pile. And then Visturai also scales very well as his hands are bigger, but he can function pretty reasonably off. Two and three card hands.
0: What's interesting to me is that there's three copies of Read the Runes in this list too. I think that's also a hedge to the Guardians where you can be forced to block a lot of cards in your hand and then you just kind of float this three arcane damage to try to overwhelm them on a future turn.
1: Yeah, Read, Read the Runes is quite good in do Oldheim because you block with three cards, you play Read the Runes, and then sometimes Oldheim just has hands where he can't effectively use his whole hand on offense because especially in the decks that are built more defensively or reasonably defensively, and even in the more offensive ones. Oldheim's not really a deck that's like, let me keep my four-card hand. He really thrives on one, two, three-card hands where he can play some one powerful effect, an arsenal card, or just swing his hammer. And he doesn't really get any more efficient as you add more cards to his hand.
0: Well, Oak and Old, Blue, and then Earth and, and for- Ice is a four-card hand that he usually trying to protect or get to at some point in the game but yeah
1: yeah that's one of the few hands that sometimes you don't really want to block with because it's just just so powerful to fuse oak and old but you can even still do that with a three card hand if one of them's pulls and that's like the best oak and old well yeah 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 that's the dream Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah but overall i just feel like viscerai is kind of like the jack of all trades master of none where similar to dash maybe you have a higher win percentage where you're just taking like a 40 to 50% win rate across the board, and then just hoping to outplay your opponents on the day.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: I am happy that this round's on me is picking up more steam, though. The card's sweet. Blue block three, draws a card. Yeah, blue... just go wide decks.
1: Blue sift hasn't been seen in a while, I feel like. It's kind of been replaced with this round's on me, because I think this round's on me is just the more powerful card. Yeah. And they're both blue block threes, so... The most common play pattern with it is when you're going first, you can play it and then like, attack with them a few times, and they have five cards, but if they don't block, they're just taking a bunch of damage, and then if they do block, then they don't get any bonuses from this round's on me, and they also have all their attacks reduced by one. So if you're going first, this round's on me is great.
0: Well, you almost, you almost always want to go first on round, anyways to activate your grasp and filter your hand and set up some cards anyways.
1: And build up some rune chance. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Still playing Lead the Charge even though Prism's gone. I guess it just works really well with Shrill, and you can use it with Rattle Bones, Command and Conquer. There's a reasonable amount of two-cost things happening.
0: Yeah, and you also played against the Guardians to play around
1: Blizzard or Hypothermia. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Alright. I guess, I didn't ask this about Shirovi, but uh, I'm going to c- bring the question back, because I think it's a good question. Where do you see viscerai going in the format? Do you think that there's still a space for him when Briar's around, because you're asking what does Mr. I do better than Briar? Um,
0: yeah, but that's more of a meme question I'd like to ask now, okay uh I think, like I said, I think Vistre I's fine. he's not amazing. There's nothing that's like making him jump off the paper like decklist registration sheets that make him look broken or anything like that. he's just He's just a good, consistent hero that plays a very good, consistent game.
1: Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I think Viscerai is in a reasonable spot. I think Oldheim's kind of tough for him, but and Ice Center's kind of tough for him, but I think his my matchup's quite good. And I think he's like fine in the aggro mirrors as well. I don't think I'm not convinced that Briar really has much of an edge over him. It's just kind of like high variance games, though aggro mirrors are. So
0: yeah, Briar has a higher ceiling and a lower floor, but the, hi- the high ceiling's pretty gosh dang high.
1: Yeah, but Viscerae's best turns are also very, very powerful. Five card five card hands with Mordred Tide and Revel and Rune Blood do a lot of damage.
0: Yeah, but it's just not the same ceiling as, like, sticking around to Channel Mount Heroic for, like, two or three turns, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, the best Channel Mount Heroic turns are very, very powerful.
0: Yeah, where you're just drawing three cards and presenting, like, 80 damage, and your opponent's like, well, guess I'm just dead. I don't think I've seen 80 yet, but... <laughs> Oh, no, well,
1: your room play player opponents don't
0: get as lucky as mine do, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I'm very lucky, so it makes them, it makes them yeah, unlucky. What's, what's the difference between them getting unlucky and me getting lucky, you know? There isn't. no so, difference. <laughs> so, moving on.
0: like a zero-sum.
1: Our next deck to talk about is Icelander. She uh, also did not win, but there were a reasonable amount of them in the top eight of different nationals, including three in the Australia top eight, which was the biggest nationals this weekend. I'm curious if this means that maybe she has issues closing, maybe the best player, do you think it's possible that the best players are able to just play in a way that shuts down Icelander?
0: Um, maybe. She's also a very difficult hero to play in and of herself, similar to what I said about Oldheim where she's very taxing and has a lot of games to go very long across the day.
1: So they're they're getting fatigued then by the semifinals or the finals, they're just, they're just out of it because they're, yeah, they're, they're like, playing Islander even...
0: all day. And like, you're playing, it's even harder than Oldheim because Oldheim at least like gets to just shut off his brain during his opponent's turns most of the time and just block. Whereas Isolander's like, mm, I gotta break out my TI-84 graphing calculator and figure out <laughs> how many turn cycles I can push my 30 damage for my setup before the game closes and what's my average damage output across my two turn cycles, you know?
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So we're going to talk about Soon Ui's, I hope I pronounced that right, third place in France deck. They played Alluvian Consellus, Coronet Peak, Final Spring Tunic, Ironhide Gauntlet, Metacarpus Node, Stormstriders, and Waiting Moon. I think this is a pretty typical equipment package. It has Ironhide Gauntlet and Metacarpus Nodes if you want the AB or not. It has Tunic and... Alluvian, uh, where Alluvian is great against Viserai and the Wizard Mirrors because it just generates you free resources. And then Stormstriders, of course, and Coronet Peak is the go-to hat for Ice as well. Yep, yeah, definitely makes sense. At red, there's two Aether Hail, three Aether Ice Vein, three Command and Conquer, three Fate for Scene, three Freezing Point, three Ice Bolt, three Ice and Howl Weather Vein, three Oasis for Spite, three sigil of permafrost, three sink below. At yellow, 3 Aether Ice Bane, a blue, 3 Aether Hail, 2 Amulet of Ice, 3 Arctic Incarceration, 2 Blizzard. Wait, this can't be right. It has 2 Blizzard and then 3 Blizzard. There Maybe must be something wrong with this list. They can't play 5, five Blizzard. Blizzard. That's too many yeah. Blizzards. Uh, I, I don't know what that card is, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> Channel 3 Channel like Frigid, 3 Cold Snap, 2 Energy Potion, 3 Frost Hex, 3 Frosting, 3 Hypothermia, 3 Ice Bolt, 3 Ice Eternal, three insidious chill and three winter's bite so one thing I'm noticing is it has three red aether ice vein three yellow aether ice vein, and unless those blizzards are supposed to be aether ice veins there's no blue aether ice veins they're probably
0: supposed to be aether ice veins
1: that would make a lot of sense
0: I didn't know Eisenhower weather vein had go again okay this whole time even in limited, I just never registered those two cards at the bottom of the of the because I just know it's not good and limited. I just thought it was actually unplayable because (laughs) it didn't have go again. (laughs) So I was always like, how are you supposed to make this card work? It doesn't, you have to like somehow instant speed out another card to fuse through jumping through some kind of wizard hoop. But how do you, how do you make it work? I never, now I see it as go again and I'm like, "Hmm, this card's probably a little bit better. It's just, it's actually not strictly unplayable. It's just like not great. So I learned something by looking at this list. So thank you.
1: Yeah. If you have freezing points or ice eternals in your limited deck, it's a card that you could consider playing.
0: Yeah. I might consider playing it now one day, maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe in your what do you draft Icelander with two freezing points, two th- Eternals. Th- I'm Turtles. sure this
0: is a card you'll be playing a lot in Icelander as you're the sixteenth Icelander draft in
1: your draft <laughs> pod. Uh it's it's also a rare, so even though like even if I wanted it, it's pretty hard to, to find, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which I, I I do not I do not want this card usually. In constructed, on the other hand, it does have six cards that it combos pretty well with. It's still a red card that blocks for two, and it can be kind of hard to uh use it if you don't have one of the two cards that combos quite well with it. But it's not the worst thing. And I imagine it's here for specifically against Old Oldheim where you like set up the combo where you play this twice plus a freezing point, or you play this twice plus a Ice Eternal, and you just make a bunch of Frostbites and deal a bunch of damage.
0: I just wonder how relevant the go again but conditional Frostbites are compared to just playing Arctic Incarceration Red. You get one less Frostbite, but you always get your Frostbites, where this one costs a resource and you need to have the Ice Fusion effect for one extra Frostbite at the end of the day. I imagine what you're trying to do with it is trying to set up that really, 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 really big Ice Eternal. And if your opponent tries to pop the frostbites, you can say, in response to the frostbite popping, I'm gonna play my ice eternal, and you still take arcane damage for these frostbites that are still on the battlefield, even though you pop them, they haven't fully popped because this game is good.
1: The <laughs> do, do you not like that interaction?
0: I think it it's along I feel similarly about it as I do the Spectrum mechanic, as it's clunky unintuitive and it's something that I feel strictly punishes newer or less skilled players in a way that is probably pretty frustrating for them. I I get it. I don't I don't think once you get it, I don't think it's nearly as bad as the Spectrum Mechanic. I just think that the very first time you ever have to like explain that to somebody in a tournament setting if they're not aware of it is just awkward. And it's gonna to lead to a lot of judge calls, I'm sure.
1: hmm That makes sense. I think if frostbites were somehow not a triggered ability and they just like disappeared when you paid the cost, I think that would be fine, but I don't know how they would put that how they would make that work in the rules, if that makes sense.
0: You need a split-second keyword.
1: Like when you play or activated cards and activated abilities cost one more. When you play a card or activated ability destroy the frostbite this cannot be responded to or something well yeah um
0: destroy this with splits but splits destroy this with split second or whatever the flesh and blood for those who don't know in magical gathering there's a mechanic called split second where there are normally priority windows in the game where you can respond to cards much like in flesh and blood but cards with split second cannot be responded to unless you also had a card with split second but there's only like 10 cards in the game that have its keywords. So they're basically cards that can't be responded to. And they led to really weird interactions when they did happen. But I felt that they ultimately were a pretty unique and interesting idea that I think could be explored in flesh and blood one day.
1: Yeah, makes sense. The other thing interesting about this list is it has three Sigil of Permafrost as well as three Eisenhower Weathervane. I have heard. Like, there's kind of like discussion about which one you should play. And they're like, what if we just play both? And I assume that they trim the sigils and the magics they bring in the Eisenhower weather veins because they're both kind of reliant on the same cards and they're both kind of clunky if you don't have those cards that they're good with. But yeah, they but did, It's interesting
0: because, like, both. if you're trying to combo, both cards seem good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because sigil, for getting to the combo, you need the defense reaction sometimes. And then obviously, Eisenhower's the better. Uh, card for actually comboing. So maybe you, maybe they just felt that Eisenhower was the better combo card overall, and they cut uh, Sigil in that matchup, and then they play the Sigils against the aggro decks, where trading the Frostbites can really hamper their turns.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: But is a cool hero. Like I said, very difficult to play. There's definitely no free wins in Icelander, which is something that's interesting about the deck, in my opinion. Where you think, like, oh, I'm just going to dunk on all the rune blades in Fi because they just aren't going to be able to deal with my disruption. But in classic constructed decks, they're actually pretty resilient and hard to disrupt consistently across a lot of turn cycles. And there just be times where she just doesn't have those disruptive effects just quite just right naturally over the course of the game. And if the aggressive decks can have their big pop off turn when she stumbles on those turns, she can get really punished really hard. And that's why she doesn't ultimately have those free wins. And it's just a hero that's, I think, very difficult to play on the whole.
1: Yeah. And she doesn't close out games very quickly. So they have a little bit of time to like draw into that setup, uh, get their big pop-off turn, really force her to have the interaction for that turn. Yeah. All right. Moving on then. We'll talk about some of the underperformers. I don't have deck lists for these, but I just wanted to briefly bring them up. Didn't do too hot this weekend. I think Fi's best matchup in Class Constructed was Prism for a while, so Prism leaving and then Phi struggling a little bit kind of makes sense. I'm wondering if he's still unsolved now that the Stubby Hammers ban went through, or was it just... It seems kind of crazy to me that they removed this one equipment that was worth like, five or so maybe six damage on his combo turn and now the hero goes from being the best by a lot to completely unplayable i think completely unplayable is
0: a little strong i think ultimately he almost suffers from the rhinar effect where five is just always presenting damage there's no crazy on hits or disruptive effects that Phi has Fi just used to push like Crazy, crazy amounts of damage on the combo turn and five or six life is pretty relevant, you know, given that most pieces of equipment generate you like two life most of the time, so having equipment that goes like so far above value is crazy, especially considering that Phi arguably still does have a piece of equipment that generates like six damage in the mask of the pouncing links, tutoring up the lava bursts on their critical turns so th- he still has like really good equipment overall i would say it's just he doesn't have a broken piece of equipment in every and his he has one less slot of broken equipment anymore i guess i should say
1: yeah. though i do think his gloves are quite good The uh, they're fine what are they called
0: tiger stripe shuko
1: yeah tiger stripe shuko i think those gloves are actually quite good they're Worth three block over the course of the game, and it's not uncommon to play two attacks with two or less power in the same. They're card. worth
0: they're worth two block.
1: Yeah, they're two block.
0: You said three block. Oh, they're two block.
1: Sorry. Yeah,
0: I was like, I didn't think they blocked for a three. Maybe yeah. that card's better than I thought.
1: Two block. That's if you trigger it two times over the course of the game, you're getting four points of value out of your gloves. It's no grasp of the knight or house, or it's, and it's no stubby hammers, but
0: Still quite yeah, strong. I think the problem with it is that those points of damage are attached to inherently well mopey attacks because they have to have this two or less base power most of the time, and so like if your Phoenix of Flame attacks for one or your Phoenix of Flame attacks for two, is there really a meaningful difference if your opponent decides to block that?
1: Well, a lot of the time it's your Phoenix attack, your Phoenix Flame attacks for one, and then your Lava Burst attacks for six instead of five.
0: Sure, that's where it's at its best. But I'm just saying, on like the average turn cycle, like what is it really doing? Sure. But yeah, Fy's fine, and I can definitely attest that Fy dunked on Prism pretty well. It definitely <laughs> terrorized me over my Prism lifespan, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. And now, if I switch to these ice heroes, I can beat up the Fy's. The shoe's on the other foot now,
1: Michael. <laughs> sure. And then, I guess, do you think that part of it too is the rune blades are so strong, and maybe once the rune blades rotate out, maybe Fy will have a chance to shine a little bit more.
0: Maybe. They also just have generally better equipment, which is crazy considering we were saying Fi's equipment is good. Their equipment is just better. (laughs) Uh, And they also are capable of presenting relevant on-hits where Fi does not.
1: Okay, okay, that makes sense. And then the last tier I want to talk about is Lexi. I think that... I really like Lexi, and I think that she is solid. And is held back by kind of mediocre equipment, but
0: Yeah, I feel like everything we just said about Phi can just be copy and pasted onto Lexi if we're talking about like the aggressive versions of Lightning Lexi. And if we're just talking about like the controlling versions of Ice Lexi, we can just copy and paste that onto like, well, if you're playing a controlling ice hero, why not just play Iceland or or Oldheim? They're both just better options for doing what that strategy is.
1: Sure, that makes sense. I think Lexi does do a pretty good job at, like, kind of splitting the difference between aggression and disruption. And the Protor list that Easton Douglas played looked really sweet. He has a... There's a deck deck of his deck where it's kind of like... It's like this Ice Lexi that's playing some of the good lightning arrows and some of the best lightning cards. So it's more like a hybrid Lexi that... And it's on 9 winners, I think that that deck was like specifically built to target room blades, and I'm wondering if like this open format makes Lexi a little bit worse, because there's like so many different decks, and there's also just a lot of Oldheim, which is also a nightmare when you're playing Lexi. And yeah,
0: I imagine is a nightmare for it, too, where it's just like, you are trying to do... You obviously have to activate your bow, which gives a lot of priority windows for Icelander to come in and do disruptive things. Um, and then, obviously, you're your disruption is not always super relevant to what Icelander is trying to do. Like fatigue shot against Icelander <laughs> does actual nothing. So <laughs> and that's just like the first example that popped into my mind. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. All right. That about wraps it up for heroes. Is there anyone that you wanted to talk about that I didn't mention?
0: Uh no, I think we have a pretty good understanding of the meta as a whole. Obviously there's some other fringe heroes. I think the meta's kind of open. More, It's more open now than it's been at any time in the past. It's just there's still just always going to be decks that are the best at what they do and just keep the other less powerful heroes at bay. Any final thoughts from the great Michael Hamilton, though?
1: Can't believe we're not talking about Dash at all, but I'm good. Gonna... Dash sucks. Move on. It's fine.
0: <laughs> okay, everybody. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Let us know if you think... We're overlooking a critical hero that's the missing puzzle piece of the format in the comments. And the next time you're playing at nationals or even at your local armory, always remember, mind your manners. Thanks for listening.